The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is our newest series. You know, on all of our Game Changer shows, we end the show with what we call the crystal ball round, and we talk about the future. It was so popular, it is so popular, and such a great idea, we decided to start a show called The Future of Business with Game Changers, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the first of a 13-week new series. So let's get started. You know how I always start. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. Yes, you are. We'll be on here Thursdays, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific. I know that's early, but this is worth getting up for. Today's buzz, user experience. Let me tell you a little bit about it. Historically, the past decade has seen an accelerated pervasive evolution in both the B2C and B2B user experience. You're one or a both. You know who you are. How? With the adoption and introduction and adoption of mobile technology at the core of this evolution. You might even say it's a revolution. Consumers, for their part, have gotten spoiled. They expect and they actually demand, and I've got that in my notes in all capitals, intuitive simplicity in their apps. They want speed to satisfaction, and most of all, they want personalized customer experiences. Talk to them, about them, not around them. Well, if this rapid pace of change continues, and we know there are even more technological advances in hardware, in a networks coming down the pike as we're talking right now, how will we all interact with our computers in the next five years? And here's the biggest question. Will technology, business trends, and culture limit or knock the socks off of tomorrow's buyers and users. I have a panel of three experts who are going to speak on this issue. We have a great show, so don't even think of going anywhere for the next hour. Let's get started. Happy to introduce my first guest on this new show. He is Jeremy Cox, Principal Analyst at Ovum, and he sent me the following quote, 90% of firms are flying blind and at risk of becoming irrelevant. Those are very, very strong words and very damning for the 90%. Jeremy Cox, welcome to Future of Business with Game Changers. How are you today? Very well, thank you, and thanks for the welcome. Oh, thanks for joining me. You're first up on a brand new show. No pressure, Jeremy, but you got to <laughs> knock this out of the knock this out of the box. And by the way, a shout out to our series sponsor, Dave Fowler, who is listening on the line and he's tweeting, and we've got Andy tweeting, and we've got Gretchen tweeting, and and we're going to have a good time. So let's have some words of wisdom from you, Jeremy Cox. Ninety percent of firms are flying blind. Why? Right. Well, um, what I did was I did some research last year to uh, try and identify or or how effective organizations were at uh, sensing and responding to changes in the environment. 
And uh, there were a number of attributes that uh, I investigated, but there are a couple here, I think, which, which show that uh, many organizations are at risk of, if, an, if not, not exactly flying blind, then certainly uh, partially sighted, um, and it could lead to the same end. So there, was, there were a couple of attributes. One was on um, uh, customer experience, and what we found was that uh, only the top 5% were able to offer customers a seamless, continuous, engaged customer experience. And that most organizations, the experience was, was highly fragmented. And there were a few questions that we asked around that, things like, um, do they have any kind of closed-loop voice of the customer program in place so that they can find out what customers really think about their experiences and use that insight to uh, you know, drive improvements, continuous improvement in the customer experience? And very, very few of them seem to have those kind of programs in place. Um, when we looked at what we call sensing attributes, so the ability to, to sense what's going on in the customer domain, um, whilst many organizations had operational business intelligence, so you know each department could figure out how well it was doing in terms of its work and its workload, etc., very few uh, were monitoring the customer environment. Um, very few were really aware of the customer context. And, of course, uh, I mean, there's a great quote from Steve Denning of Forbes magazine who said something like, the life expectancy of a firm has reduced um, from 75 years back in 1955 to just 15 years now. So nobody can take their future for granted. And uh, if they're not accessing, if they're not able to, to really sort of gain insights into what makes the customer tick and what the experience is like, then clearly they're at risk. And uh, 90% of the firms were in that category. Thank you, Jeremy. I have a quick question before we turn to our second guest, Jakob Van Eden from Deloitte, who's waiting patiently in the wings. My question to you, Jeremy, is you say these firms are at risk of becoming irrelevant. I would add they're at risk of becoming annoying or getting an awful lot of <laughs> negative feedback, especially on social media. Nobody's just going to sit back and say, oh, goodness, that was a bad experience. They're going to shout it from the social media rooftops. Do you agree with that? I would say that's likely to accelerate their relevance. I completely agree. Okay, good. We're on the same wavelength. Thank you, Jeremy. Great opener to our topic. Let's welcome Jaco Van Eden, a partner at Deloitte Consulting and a global enterprise usability and user experience design leader. You can just put a postscript to that. UX is the way we abbreviate that. Jaco sent me the following quote. Enterprise users should not need any training to use enterprise systems. I think those are fighting words, too. Jaco Van Eden, welcome to our debut show in this new series. How are you today? Very good. Uh, good morning, Bonnie, and glad to be on this show today. Wonderful. So talk to me about this quote. Very interesting. Aren't you supposed to train your people? What's going on here? You know, that's such a good point. Um, and in my experience of 22 years of um, SAP and ERP implementations, that is always the one line item that everybody um, struggles with or activity, um, and it becomes a pain, a huge pain in every implementation. Um, no, I don't think so. Um, and I think, you know, building on what you've said in the opening statements and uh, what Jeremy was talking about is the market has completely changed. Mm -hmm. So today, um, you know, the systems 
should know who you are. Um, my philosophy is that if I am already an expert in my job, <clears throat> you know, you as a company brought me in as a sales expert, a sales rep, or a procurement expert, I already know my job, and I'm in that job being paid for it, um, and you don't really need to train me on that job. That's why I got to, through the interviews. What the system should do for me is help me become more efficient, more effective, and give me insight into what I cannot see or cannot put together. You know, the power of the, of the engine behind the Internet brings things together. So there's a, there's a huge gap. Um, I think we've got trapped in this whole world of um, uh, transactions and, and process steps only. And what I mean with that is um, the whole world as, a, as it stands, stands in an enterprise, enterprise today is all about uh, identify the transactions, streamline them in a nice process, which is all great and foundational. And then as the last thought, we map that back to users and say, well, mm -hmm. let's do a security access exercise and map the transactions to the user for, for their particular job. And then you've got these 10 screens and 10 transactions you need to go do in your job. People don't work that way. Um, they, their day in their life is completely different. What they need is to know the right information at the right time. So today, um, an evolution that we've seen here um, in our organization, in Deloitte, and the clients we serve, and the research we've done is that there's truly a gap. Um, as you very well know, as a consumer um, experience has evolved dramatically. Nobody mm -hmm. gets trained when they go on Amazon or eBay or even any app on your, on your cell phone. It's really just orientation. So the key part, I think, is, is uh, systems should be able to bring together for me because it knows who I am intuitively, all my business process steps, my compliance steps, things that I need to do on a day-to-day -day basis. My social and collaboration needs, if that is appropriately, it also should bring together my content. It could be my digital content, my structured data, my, my information that I need. And all of this should be able to proactively come to me when I need it because the, the system understands what I'm about to do. If it's a Monday morning, what should I see immediately because I'm mm -hmm. tracking all orders that are out, of, uh, out, of, out of status? or has been shipped late, I need to see them immediately, they need my attention. Or, I'm, you know, I'm a sales guy and I'm on, on the road and I want to see which customers are around me. There's so much information already out there within the organization and um, the, the environment. And what we really need is the systems to bring that for me, and I call this the user experience platform. Mm -hmm. uh, excited about this change in the game and uh, really how people now can truly uh, get enriched in their roles, you know, with this information available. Thank you very much, Jaco. Good to have that perspective because we started out talking about consumers have the right to, well, expect and demand, as I underscored in my opening, intuitive simplicity, speed to satisfaction, personalized customer experiences. You have flipped that around to inside the enterprise, inside the company of whatever size and saying, hey, we want to be treated on a personalized basis as employees as well. Part of, I would think, part of the mantra of a company for what we call HCM human capital management. How well do you treat your people? Thanks, Yako. We have a lot more to hear from you, but now it's time to bring on our third panelist. He is Peter Spielvogel, Senior Director 
Director of Product and Marketing for the SAP Imagineering Team. I want to work on the Imagineering Team. And Peter sent me this quote from Steve Jobs. This was stated in 1997, my God, in the last millennium, I think, at a Worldwide Developer Conference. And the quote is, you've got to start with the customer experience and work backwards to the technology. And we know Jobs was a visionary, and he figured it out. Peter Spielvogel, welcome to Future of Business with Game Changers. How are you today? I'm doing great, Bonnie. Thanks for having me on the show. Wonderful. So let's get some wisdom from you, from Steve Jobs, uh, and add, first tell me about your quote and then uh, apply it to our topic today, user experience. Yeah, I came across this quote um, some time back, and I found it very insightful because so often technology companies start with technology. They start building something. They have a bunch of really smart people. They think they know what the market wants and they just run with it and then push it out. And probably Steve Jobs was somewhat guilty of that because another of his quotes is, if you ask people what they want, they don't know. They can't tell you and articulate. So mm. he had some, some wisdom in jumping ahead. Now, if, if you're not Steve Jobs, you probably need to take a different approach, and that's starting with the user. Don't build incrementally better things or even try to leapfrog, go out and look at the market. Talk to people, but more important, watch them in action. See how they interact with the software. Yako mentioned earlier about the transaction focus. Yes, that may be how people approach it, but really you need to look a level or two up. What's the task they're trying to accomplish? Watch them do that. Understand what their needs are and then come up with an experience that matches. And the mobile-first paradigm is really a great leap in that direction. You're looking at a single user, a single task. What are the three plus or minus one things that someone needs to do? Give them mm -hmm. that. Very simple, very focused. And I think that's a great way to approach it, but you've got to start with the user experience and then figure out what do you do with the technology to develop that and back up that experience. Great addition to our opening discussion. Thank you, Peter Spielvogel. I have a very difficult question for all three of my guests today. I hope you're sitting down. First, we'll start with Jeremy, then Yako, and then Peter. What's in your cup today? And you know why, because Future of Business with Game Changers is part of our ongoing flagship series called Coffee Break with Game Changers. So I'm just dying to know. Jeremy Cox, where are you calling from and what's in your cup today? Okay, uh, I'm calling from Home Firth in West Yorkshire in England. And um, what's in my cup? Well, I, I wondered about this, and I couldn't remember any memorable uh, drinking uh, uh, situations or, or sessions. Um, I guess that says a lot about the type of sessions I've had. Um, but I, I actually <laughs> asked my wife last night, I said, you know, have we ever had a cup of tea or coffee that's, that's, uh, that's been memorable? And she said, well, what about when I bought you a nice cup of tea in bed in the morning? Um, but I, I couldn't for the life of me remember that either. So uh, <laughs> that's it, I'm afraid. <laughs> Talk about a user experience, Jeremy. We're going to have to work on that. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate it. Yako Van Eden at Deloitte, where are you calling from and what's in your cup or what do you wish you were drinking right now? Well, yeah, Bonnie. Well, I am calling from Dallas, but I'm actually South African and most of you probably have I'm sure many of your audience have already figured that out from my accent. Uh, but there is one 
one cup of tea that is so unique in South African, and I actually have it right in my hand here, and it's a cup of rooibos tea, and you know, you spell it, you, you say it like R-O-Y, rooibos. Mm-hmm. And that's nice. a tea that comes from um, the Cape Town or the Cape of Good Hope area of South Africa only, and that's the only place in the world you find it. Um, great tea that uh, that's actually 50% more antioxidants and it's got the vitamin C in um, it's got low tannins naturally, and it's naturally also not no caffeine. Uh, it's caffeinated, so decaffeinated as a as a natural in that form. Um, great tea, and I, I, what's what's great about it is you can just dunk your bag in, and the longer it sits, the better it gets. So mm-hmm. I enjoy it. It makes me think back of my home country and uh, enjoy uh, every sip of it. Wonderful. Thank you very much. I love that. And Petersfield. Feel Vogel, no pressure. These were two interesting stories. I won't ask you to top it. Just tell me, what are you drinking? And where are you calling from today, Peter? I'm calling from Palo Alto, California this morning. And my espresso cup is already empty, so I've just got water in my mug. But um, I'm looking forward to several, well, many hours from now when I'll be able to enjoy a nice cold microbrew from one of the local breweries here in the Silicon Valley area, probably Gordon Biersch. They were one of the first to have a microbrewery here, and um, they've gone big with it, but they still haven't lost their flavor, and uh, they've got some really nice seasonal varieties, which I enjoy. I'm sure they appreciate the plug, and thanks for name-dropping. And I have to say, David Fowler, who is our series sponsor, says, What's in my cup? This is profound. Coffee from a machine that grinds, brews, and serves in one fluid motion. And I know fluid is a well-chosen word. He says, rich and delicious, coffee-flavored coffee, no idea of the brand. Okay, Dave, we'll take it. We'll take it. And in case anybody's wondering on my panel, they don't let Bonnie have caffeine on show days. I wonder why. (laughs) You're listening to the debut edition. We're so excited. The Future of Business with Game Changers Radio, presented by SAP, episode number one. You heard it first here. Literally and figuratively. I have a wonderful panel today. Great talkers, great thinkers, and great insights. Our topic is the future of customer experience. Fast forward. My guests are Jeremy Cox at Ovum, Jaco Van Eden at Deloitte, and Peter Spielvogel at SAP. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. However you're listening to us, we want you to stick around. There's a lot more coming. We're ready to go to break now. Brad out. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, resource scarcity, and business networks and supply chains are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. The Future of Business with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. 
Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to The Future of Business with Game Changers. We are, and the future is now. It's today. You can be part of it if you stick around for the rest of the hour and listen to my wonderful guests share their words of wisdom. Jeremy Cox at Ovum, Jaco Van Eden at Deloitte, and Peter Spielvogel at SAP. We're talking today about the future of customer experience, user experience. Fast forward, that's exactly what we're doing. And now our regular listeners know it's time for the roundtable. We're going to go almost 30 minutes nonstop, so you can put your seatbelts on, too. I'm going to start. Off with, let's see who we're going to kick off with. Jeremy Cox at Ovum, you told me before the show that you have identified eight attributes of a customer adaptive enterprise, and that's one you define as persistently relevant to its customers. Aha, let's start with that. Give us an overview of the eight attributes, then I'm going to ask Jakob Van Eden and Peter Spielvogel to chime in on agree or disagree with that, and then we'll keep going from there. Jeremy, please start us off. Okay, thanks. Um, well, well, I did a lot of secondary research in, into organizations that appear to have the, the knack of always being relevant to customers, despite all the change that's going on, and uh, settled on eight attributes that they seem to have in common, whether it's conscious or unconscious, um, it probably varies, but it starts really with the, the first one being the visionary leadership of the organization that you know, insists on putting the customer at the heart of the business and working back backwards from from the customer. So a little bit like Peter's story and uh, the user experience. Um, they they also have um, incredibly engaged workforce, which are critical, obviously, to uh, being able to deliver customer ex- good customer experiences um, and and um, you know having a motivated workforce is. Uh, it goes without saying, it's, it's pretty essential. Mm-hmm. They also have the, the knack of um, collaborating, not just uh, within their own departments, but across departments, uh, across the organization, beyond the organization, so they can get things done and uh, use their sort of collective uh, insight and intelligence. Great sensing capabilities, which I talked about earlier. Brilliant customer experience, or at least a, um, a, a very consistent customer experience. They also seem to be able to continuously innovate, um, mm-hmm. so they're refreshing the value that they bring uh, to the party. And then perhaps a couple of uh, the more boring ones, uh, they have processes <laughs> that uh, are connected and, and frictionless so that uh, the baton can be hand, handed across across the value chain uh, effectively and quickly. And then uh, an enterprise architecture that allows for um, you know, continuous adaptation and being able to graft on uh, new technologies where relevant and, and, and as they emerge. So those are the eight, and it always comes back to the leadership piece, I think. Thank you. Jeremy, what stands out for me as I'm listening to you, and, and I have, of course, this in my radio notes here, the three qualities you talk about, the ability to sense, respond, 
and or react and adapt at the right pace. To me, that's the core of this whole thing is what should you be paying attention to? To whom should you be paying attention? How do you respond? Or if it's negative, how do you react? If it's if you can't be proactive, you have to be reactive, but for God's sake, do something. And then adapting. That's a tall order for a lot of companies. I'm going to ask Yako Van Eden to chime in here. From your perspective at Deloitte, do you agree with these qualities, these eight attributes of a customer adaptive enterprise that Jeremy defined, Yako? Yes, Bonnie, absolutely. I think they're great. And I think the way that they come together and the way Jeremy laid them out it really makes them completely agnostic and it's, it's really foundational. Um, the one, the one key um, comment I'd like to make on this would mm-hmm. be that even though those are the key things that need to be there, there has to be some mechanism to bring that intuitively and proactively to the front end to those either client, customer, you know, themselves being, you know, at the, at the buying of a process for an organization, but also for the whole organization and the roles that cater for them. So what, what we really see is, is more complex is how do I know proactively what the customer is saying, what's the, the trend, it could be on a social media as an example, and make that evident and available to the right person in the organization to respond proactively with the right kind of you know, answer, comment, or action. Um, and I think that's where... So the, the, I think the, the layer that, that in my mind, that, that needs to be uh, as an additive or as a building block around this would be the persona-driven kind of thinking, design, and I think Peter will explain that more as well. But then also having kind of a, a platform that helps you quickly and in real time bring together the information. And I see the cloud in tomorrow's and in today's world and going forward as a very key attribute and and part of that architecture to make it adaptable. Thank you. Peter Spielvogel, I want to get your opinion on this before we move on. What do you think about these eight attributes and what Yako said to expand it? Go ahead. Yeah, I think I think that's a really insightful list pulling pulling those things together. The first my initial reaction was a big sigh of relief that wow, okay, good. SAP is ticking off those check marks, and we're going to still remain relevant to customers. And interestingly, <laughs> when I think about that list, that's really like a, a page out of the Imagineering playbook because what we do is collaborate with customers, focus on their experience, and constantly innovate, really try to push the limits and be disruptive. And what I mean by that is, there's lots of companies out there, especially in Silicon Valley, doing innovative things around the user interface and, and other areas. And as a large player, it's very easy to get uh, these people poking at you from, from different sides. So the goal of Imagineering is to do that from the inside so we can do it before a competitor does. And those Eight attributes that, that Jeremy mentioned, um, especially the collaboration and innovation, really I think is what drives and will continue to drive the evolution of customer experience. 
Thank you, Peter. I want to go in the direction of quantification. Everybody loves numbers. They want to know what are we talking about? How many of this and what percent of that? And of course, uh, Jeremy started us off with the 90% quote right at the top of the show, which was great. But I've got some notes here from both Jakob Van Eden at Deloitte and from Peter Spielvogel at SAP that have some really interesting numbers. I'm going to read them both and I'm going to throw it out to the panel, see who wants to jump in. Number one, Jakob said, users should not need more than three clicks or steps to perform any activity on their mobile or web user interface. That's three clicks or steps. Okay, we all know lists typically come in three. Comedians are supposed to do three of anything to get the audience's attention and go to the punchline. Well, the punchline here is you're ready to do something with your mobile device or your your user interface. And Peter Spielvogel said the following. People are asking, why can I order a book on Amazon with one click, but... It takes 10 times as many steps to order a new battery for my laptop at work. Yes, Peter, we need a better answer. So who wants to chime in on this math question? Peter or Yako or Jeremy, who wants to take it first? I want to hear from all of you. Well, this is Peter. I'll jump in on the, on the Please. three steps. I think generally speaking, that is true for, and the caveat is, it's got to be for something that's a fairly simple, straightforward, and narrow task. If you're building a financial forecast for an entire business, you're probably not going to do that in three clicks. Then again, you probably wouldn't be doing it on your phone. But for the the (laughs) day-to-day tactical activities of checking your vacation balance or completing an expense report, yeah, that should be quick and easy. And you want to get in, you want to get out, and get on with your day. And similarly, if you're a sales rep in the field making a quotation, If it's a complex quote, you probably won't do it in three clicks, but you want it to be maybe three general process steps and then get that done and go back to talking to your customers so you can understand their needs and serve them better. So I'll do a conditional agreement. If it's simple and straightforward, (laughs) three is probably enough. But uh, if you're making a a budget for or a a plan for the next few years, not going to happen in three clicks. There you go. Yakov yeah, Eden, I want to hear from you. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So let me clarify a little bit more. And, Peter, yes and no. Um, let me start with by saying, well, what I see users should be would be more transaction-free users, more consumers of information rather than always providing information. So if you think about that, say, well, what information – in my steps, my transaction, my, my um, activity, my responsibility is already known mm-hmm. in the process on the organization, inside or outside, that you can proactively bring to me without me doing anything because you know I need it. Um, and the way how I normally use this three steps or less is that, yes, Peter, you are right. That's why I said yes, no. Some roles, of course, you know, it, it just doesn't make sense. In a majority, though, it must be the case because if I know who you are and I bring to you proactively everything you need in the best way you can do your job in your interface across your daily life experience, you should have in your first click when you actually sign on to the interface on your mobile device immediately what you need to do at that moment. So no more three clicks. I mean, in fact, the kind of... um, Objective we put today there is that 50 to 60% of my tasks that I need to do immediately 
must be on click zero or step zero. When I log on, it's there. I, I need to look at it right now. That needs my attention because that's my job. Then really drill down is more the three clicks to say, well, if I need to do something on this order that's off track and it's sitting in the port in China, it's telling me there's a problem. One click, see what the problem is because all of the information is now coming together in that one screen that I need to see simple and intuitive. Mm -hmm. And then I can act and change or, you know, conduct my task on my second or third step. And, yes, and then engage who I need to engage, as an example. So um, I think the problem is, is um, it's more we should be thinking about ex persona experience of mm -hmm. my totality and think proactively and help the user, you know, to bring it together rather than just make them always provide. Thank you, Yako. Before I, I want to bring uh, Jeremy Cox into this, but I just want to point out all to, all of, to all of you that there are still systems where you call in for customer service. It might be the phone company, OMG, and other companies where they say enter something, your user ID or your phone number or your last four digits of your social security number if you're here in the U.S. And then the customer rep comes on and they say, please give me your phone number. Oh, I want to say – why did I bother to punch those digits in? And then remember, did you want a pound sign or did you not want a pound sign? Did you want a star or did you not want a star? Did I do it right? You're supposed to know, damn it, excuse me, who I am by now. Why are you asking me again? That to me is one of the most annoying, non-pleasant customer Have you all experienced that at some point in the last couple of years? Oh, Peter? Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Oh, yeah. Isn't that a pain in the you-know-what, royal blank, blank, blank? Jeremy Cox, now that I've done a little swearing here on the show to liven things up, Jeremy, what do you think about the three clicks and the ten steps? What's your point of view from the Ovum vantage point I, I on experience? I can completely agree with uh, Yako and Peter. Um, and, and I think, well, first of all, any more than three, and it's difficult to, uh, to, 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 to hold it in your head. So, mm -hmm. so I, I think anything that... Uh, uh, minimizes uh, the mundane has got to be uh, a step in the right direction. And I also oh, think I like it, it impacts um, not just productivity, but, but the whole level of engagement of, of uh, people trying to do a good job. If they're having to spend a lot of time scratching around for information to supply information before they can get their job done, then, uh, uh, you know, they're not really able to bring the best of themselves to their work. So strip out the mundane, eliminate it as much as possible, and uh, as as uh, as Jacob was saying, you know, um, be proactive or, or, or create an environment where information is proactively served up to you in a way that is uh, most digestible for you, so you can get on with your work. So I think that's I totally agree with them. I love that. Minimize the mundane. That's a crochet moment, by the way. It needs to go on a pillow somewhere. Who's talking? I heard somebody I in the background. Yeah, and I, I thought, uh, thank you for, I just want to add to what yeah. you was saying. Just, sure. And I, I thought maybe an example, um, I just, to me, came to mind one of the key examples we just recently did with an industrial manufacturing company that produced chemicals. Um, and the customer service rep organization had the responsibility to track global orders to the customers from China, Europe, um, you know, Asia, all coming to the manufacturing facility and to the warehouses. Now, on the current SAP system that they were using, and it was very successful and it's, and it's working well, that it took them three to four hours a day 
in the morning to figure out which orders need their attention. Where's problems? Ooh. What do they need to do on it? Uh, all information was there. And Bonnie comes back to the point you were making of, you know, somebody calls in and I should know who you are. It's there, mm-hmm. but the, the, the connections had yeah. not been made. So we have not connected the dots of the information to what they need to look for. So we use this kind of zero, one, two, three design thinking, um, gave them mm-hmm. one screen that immediately gave them all the information that, that they needed on the first screen. So, you know, when you, so at the end of the day, it was three to four hours a day, not only just to, to, to talk about the clicks and steps, but it was significant. And, and to Jeremy's point, it's, you know, people cannot uh, really learn very complicated processes over and over. And the big problem that they had was people left regularly and frequently, and the training was horrifying to get people up to speed to how to jump through 20 different places to get your information. A good example, I thought it might just make it clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, I think the key there, since we're talking about the future of business, is really starting with that Steve Jobs, understand the customer and what are they trying to do. And if the, same per- if the person is doing the same things, I'm looking here, I'm looking here, I'm looking here, and they're doing it every day, yeah, you know that from their, from their click stream. Everything is tracked in the area of big data. So it gives you an opportunity to say, this is what you're doing. Let me prefetch all of that and serve it to you. You do this query every day at 812. You, lo- you turn on the computer at 8, get your coffee and come back, boom, here it is served up, and then you've got a prioritized list based on your history and then based on kind of an exception-based management paradigm where these are the things that need your immediate action. So I think that, that added intelligence and the big data that supports it, that's really going to be driving the future of customer experience is just knowing more about you and knowing more about where you're going. And, yes, there's some – privacy implications of how much yes, do you want course. the computer to know about you, but I think we're, we're going in that direction. Yeah. Big brother, big sister, sometimes welcome. I want to take this in a slightly different direction. I'm going to go back to the last two of Jeremy Cox at Ovum's Eight Attributes of a Customer Adaptive Enterprise. We're talking about the experience end, the consumer, the customer, the employee. We're, it's great conversation, but I want to drive it back to what does it take inside the organization to produce this excellent customer experience. So, Jeremy, I just want to uh, repeat number seven and eight and then have you comment and have Yako and Peter come in. And by the way, I've just been sure. reminded 10, mi- 10 minutes till our break. We have plenty of time, plenty of time. So number seven is connected and frictionless processes across the value chain ensure efficiency and consistently high performance. That's one. And paired with that, I'd like to bring in an adaptive enterprise architecture provides a visualization of how the organization works as a system and more than that, a system in pursuit of its customer-focused vision. We've got a lot of moving parts here. Jeremy, what does this mean to a big, I call them the big behemoth enterprises, what does it mean to someone along the scale, the spectrum of SME, small to midsize, and even more important, what does this mean to a startup with efficiently uh, clean, they, they are streamlined by nature, organically, because they're small, they're supposed to do it right before they build into a bigger organization. So how do organizations adopt and adapt what you're talking about, Jeremy? Please go. 
Okay. Well, I think the the, the, the process side is really what, uh, to some extent, uh, Jakob and Peter have just been talking about is, you know, make them frictionless. So minimize the, the, the number of steps that, that need to uh, take place in order to get something done, but also connecting them. Um, I mean, I'd I did some work uh, before I joined Ovum, um, did some consulting work with uh, um, a government organization in the UK. I shan't name them. Um, but the, my first task was to try and figure out what processes they had to do what they, they do, if you like. And I identified something like 36 across the organization. And what had happened is they, they, they'd grown department by department, and it was almost like um, the process in any department was just to um, do work within that department with no mm -hmm. thought of what happened outside or, you know, the next, the next uh, handoff, if you like, uh, to an adjacent department. And when it netted, uh, after a while, you, you could kind of net it down to um, maybe half a dozen processes end-to-end -end were all that they needed, but they needed to work in a more collaborative um, way to, to, to get that sort of end-to-end -end perspective. Um, so, you know, it, it comes back to the leadership. If you're a small organization, um, it, it hopefully should be a little bit simpler. Um, I think these tasks get, get harder and harder the larger the organization because historically processes, the way they do things, proliferate and um, you know there, there often isn't a huge amount of thought that goes behind them until they start creaking at the seams and, and then uh, you know uh, they, people take another look at them in terms of the sort of the architectural side of things I think enterprise architecture is one of those those uh, sort of weird um, uh, attributes or, or elements that means a lot of different things to different people but I think it's about visualizing how the organization does what it does. Um, but, of course, if it's tied to the, the, the customer vision, then it has a real sort of sense of purpose behind it. Um, and, it and it's also about sort of breaking away from the old uh, legacy um, accidental um, deployment, if, if you like, of IT over the many, many years to, to, to really sort of trying to, um, bring the organization closer together, make it more coherent and act as more of a system and less of a lot of different parts operating in their own sort of disparate uh, fashion. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. I and think that, that, that all comes from the top, Jeremy. Correct? That all comes from the top. That That's leadership yeah, that's at the right. top. It always comes back to leadership. So, always. You know, um, I guess there are kind of two styles of leadership. I mean, I'm sure there are many more, but, but just for simplicity's sake, there's the old industrial age mentality, which is very much sort of hierarchical command and control, um, and, you know, the, the organization being um, uh, a number of different pieces of machinery as a sort of mechanistic metaphor, if you like. And I think actually we need uh, a, a different sort of metaphor for organizations, something that's far more fluid and acts more like an organism, um, you know, where, where uh, it, it's, it's working in concert and it has coherence uh, around it. Um, so it always comes back to the leadership, I think. Good points. Thank you. Jaco Van Eden at Deloitte and or Peter Spielvogel at SAP. Want you to chime in on these, please? 
Um, I'll yeah, I'll take this one first this time. Um, I think it's it's great, and I think that those two points to me talks about what really is the challenge that we have to address in the organisation. So if I if I may for a moment start to you know look a little bit deeper into how do you actually come up with a solution to make this happen. The, one of the big problems, um, Barney, Jeremy, um, and Peter, that I've seen in organizations today is they get stuck and have tremendous amount of constraints within their organization. Um, even if, uh, if you can identify end-to-end the process clearly and you can map out the right view for the end customer and get the persona role and the design, the problem becomes that data are spread and proliferated across the organization. It's very hard to tell even sometimes what is really the true source of the data that I want to mm-hmm. use. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that becomes a problem, that, uh, and then which system feeds what part of the data. So, um, and then you, you can just add to that you know, the whole problem of every time I have to rebuild something end-to-end to address a, a new innovation or, or, or service or experience. Um, so the challenge in my mind is that into today and tomorrow, going forward, um, you really need to start to think about a reusability and a, a flexible inter- architecture that can tap into the true source and does not need a replicated model or a system-to-system back-end integration anymore. Um, you know, the way I look at it always, and I just had a workshop with a customer in Singapore, um, and one of their problems was the global organization mining, and they um, could not identify for me where the data was actually starting, you know, mm-hmm. for a particular transaction in a maintenance cycle, as an example, um, yeah. and which actually feeds to the ships, and then the customers need to know the ship's going to be on time with the de- delivery of the um, ore. Um, so when we started to break down the systems where transaction activity actually happens for the first time, the initial activity or action, what, what actually produces the data, it really boiled down to about 10 systems. And what they've over time done is then feed all of them to replicate over and over to have a source. And it really becomes a nightmare. You cannot mm. get away from that kind of architecture mm-hmm. um, unless you step outside and I really truly believe having an, an analytical engine in the cloud with an integration layer that can tap in real time to those systems that are core and the, 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 the core truth really helps you um, to, to bring it together in, an, in that view that, to your, Jeremy, your point, can really visualize what you need to see. And then if you look at yeah. a, client, a customer as an example, they want to see the same thing that the sales organization could potentially see. So I should be able to develop one component in this interface on my mobile device that can be reused for the sales rep, the customer service group, and the customer or partner or vendor. Uh, that kind of thinking, I think, had been missing in the past. And now mm-hmm. with the technology and evolution of really – Flexibility and power in the cloud really it becomes real for me. Thank yeah, you, Jaco. Peter, I, I hear you. Right there. Do, do you, do you oh, think um, software is going to become far more modular so that you can reuse it and sort of string it together 
yes. um, in, in, in a more sort of dynamic way than, than perhaps has been the case in the past? Absolutely. Now, I'll, I'll give to Peter, absolutely. And I think we now need to help drive that architecture. And, and I call it the experience, uh, you know, modules. Um, obviously, you'll have your engines, back-end engines, and they stay. There must be some fundamental engine capacity if you're talking to your equipment on your shop floor. But the moment it touches the experience of any user inside the organization or outside, and that includes customer or vendor, you, it has to be modularized. Because, and to Peter's point he made earlier where he was talking about mobile-first design, is mm-hmm. I should know immediately when I call it up on whatever device I have in my role in function or job or access, it should automatically just shape and come in. And that's, it must be the same module that provides the truth and true information to the other parts of the business. Thank you. And Peter, I can give you a minute before we go to break because I do. You've all worked very hard and I want to give you a break. So, Peter, why don't you come in on this conversation and then we'll take a break. All right. Well, I I would comment, take um, Jeremy's seventh point about the connected and frictionless processes quite literally. And if Mm -hmm. I think about a complex system, friction occurs between any moving parts. So if you can get fewer parts in your system, you'll get less friction. And really that boils down like to simplification. Is how, how can you take away all of the handoffs and interfaces yes. and really simplify? But to Yako's point, you can't just have a monolithic system because you need the agility built in. So yeah. the cloud really helps with that because it consolidates. You get a single source of mm-hmm. the truth, and you've got everything – in one place, so there are fewer moving parts, but because of the openness and the interfaces, you can get information quickly, you can build apps on top of it, everything's open and everything can talk to each other, but every so often, you're going to need to look at all the, all the handoffs and all the friction points and then refactor it and say, okay, these things that used to be auxiliary are now part of the core. Let's bring that in to, to simplify and then have a different level of interface there. And w- where Yako said, oh, this is a challenge going forward, I would see that as an opportunity because everyone's got these complex environments, legacy systems that have grown over the past 10, 20 years. This yeah. is a great chance the technology exists to start thinking about how do I simplify the stack, how do I move it to the cloud, and mm-hmm. how do I – make things easy for my users by knowing who they are and being proactive and giving them the information. So the first 10 clicks that they need to do to navigate to get where they need, let's do that in advance to take it down to the magic three instead of having 10 to get to where you need to go and three to get the information. Just serve it up and do you need A, B, or C report this morning. Peter, terrific numbers, and that's what we used to call, I believe, a well-oiled machine. You know what? I'm going to give you a one-minute break. I want you all to take a deep breath, take a sip. When we come back, I'm going to ask my three wonderful panelists the following question. If we met again five years from today in 2019, what would you be able to say fast forward about the future, which we're talking about now as the present in five years for customer experience? I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to the debut edition of our newest series, Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Quick break. Don't even think of touching that dial. The best. You thought you heard the best. The best is yet to come. Brad, out. Oh. 
business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, resource scarcity, and business networks and supply chains are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. The Future of Business with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to The Future of Business with Game Changers. Future is here. Let's talk to my panel. I'm going to give you each 90 seconds. Sorry, guys, you're great talkers, but we're almost out of time here. Fast forward five years. What would you be saying about customer experience? Would everything you're saying now be a reality, or is there still going to be a lot of work and heavy lifting to do? Jeremy Cox at Ovum, 90 seconds. Go. Okay. I think that uh, customer experience will, in the, in the main, be relatively seamless <clears throat> for all but the, the laggards out there. And so it, it will almost become uh, invisible to, 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 to customers. They're, they're kind of going to expect it. So in order to, to add a, a additional magic to the experience, I think organizations and firms are going to have to come up with pleasant surprises, perhaps based on mm. the customer data, the loyalty of the customer, um, the, uh, the value of the customer to the organization, and, uh, you know, just keep chipping away and, uh, surprising them every time they or, or you know, most times they, they contact the organization. On the user side, I think we're going to take user experience for granted. Um, ah. I know there's tremendous work going on um, from, from all, all the software guys here. Um, and uh, so uh, I'm looking forward to the next generation of uh, personal productivity tools and make life a lot easier. Thank you very much, Jeremy. And I think the D word has to come in here. We used to talk about delightful experience, and I think surprise, excitement, and delight is where we're all headed, and we hope we're headed. Yako Van Eden, Deloitte, 90 seconds. Predict five years from today. Go. Yes, absolutely. I, I do believe it's going to be completely intuitive, integrated in people's daily lives. So organizations and customers are going to be um, connected by understanding the natural experience that customers and or users have in their daily life scenario. Things are getting measured. Um, today and tomorrow, you'll see sensors telling the answer, telling data points. All of those things are going to become available from person in your role and function um, and also your daily life as a consumer feeding back into the applications and the experience so that you can get that D. I love that D, delightful experience when you need it and when you don't even think about it and it's going to come to you. 
Um, it's going to be transaction-free for the most part, 90%. It's going to be using data and information around all of us, and it's going to be intuitive. And I'm so excited to see what's coming. Mobile is going to be everything. It's, um, it's going to be cloud and mobile for us. Wonderful. Good. Got a lot of buzzwords in there. Sounds like another show we got to get you back on. And Peter Spielvogel, SAP, I know you have some future visions here. Share them with us, please. I can give you actually uh, two minutes. Go. All right. Well, I see the changes being largely incremental, mostly driven by just rapid, rapid iteration. And that's the beauty of mobile apps. You can update them frequently. And in five years looking out, we may jump ahead 20 or more generations of mobile apps if you look at a quarterly release cycle. So that's going to really drive a bunch of Darwinian change in the market. The best apps will survive. Hopefully the worst will disappear. Uh, some newcomers will come in to fill the white space. And the role of social media in all of that is anything that's good, people will promote, people will bash the bad or just ignore it. And I think that's really going to help customers gain access to the best and provide a continuous closed-loop feedback to, to companies to keep working in, on improving the things that people like best. Thank you, Peter. Great. What succinct predictions. I appreciate that. Now I'm going to take a minute for my own. Guess what? Today is Thursday. You all knew that. We have another show today, believe it or not. <laughs> Startup Focus with Game Changers. I'll be back at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. I think we're talking about the role of startups, uh, the distinct advantage of startups in the high-tech field. You don't want to miss that one. Monday, guess what? We're starting another new series. It's a renewal. CFO Radio, actually called Financial Excellence with Game Changers. You want to know about finance transformation? Is your CFO dying to know the tips and tricks? Join us Monday, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Then Tuesday, well, it's Tuesday. It must be Belgium. No, Tuesday, it's BizBuzz with Game Changers. 9 a.m. Pacific, Wednesday, it must be Paris. I don't know. It's Coffee Break with Game Changers at 8 Pacific, 11 Eastern. And next Thursday, we'll be back here with Future of Business with Game Changers, show number two. Special thank you to Jeremy Cox at Ovum. Yako Van Eden at Deloitte, Peter Spielvogel at SAP. Kudos to the three of you. Wonderful panel. A privilege to meet all three of you. You did a great job. And I'm on chat with Dave Fowler, who is the, uh, I'll tell you in a second who he is. And I said, this panel rocks. And he's going to use this show as a model for future panelists to know what to do. So there. No pressure, guys. You did great. And a shout out, of course, to Dave Fowler at SAP for Peter, excuse me, but I'm going to say, Dave imagineered this series, and I think I can get away with that. He, for imagineering and sponsoring this new series, thank you to Claire Booty at Ovum for guest support. Thank you to Mal Malcolm Kimberlin at SAP who also helped out. And we have Andy Grieg and Gretchen Statler standing by along with Dave tweeting their little hearts out today. And we have a newcomer to our tweet stream, Sean McEwen. Wherever you are, appreciate the tweets and glad you're tweeting at hashtag SAP Radio. And, of course, shout out to Brad and the Business Channel team at Voice America. World Talk Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Fasten your seatbelt. Here's my call to action. Peter and Jeremy and Yako, what are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Everyone have a great day. It's been my privilege to bring you the first edition of our new series, Future of Business with Game Changers. Signing off. Until later, Bonnie D. Graham over and out. Bye-bye. <laughs>
Thanks again for tuning in to The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. And please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. We'll be right back.